Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. And Shalom. This is your host, Sister Donna Deckard, and this is the House of Ephraim show on December the 5th, 2023. Yes, it is December. Wow. Well, today is Teacher's Tuesday, but first, a word from our announcer. And now, from Cradle of Hope, are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope, is a must have gift offer the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Welcome back. This is your host, Sister Donna Deckard. I have a few announcements to make. First of all, guess what? This week, Hanukkah. Yeah, Hanukkah is coming up this week. Yes, it is. That is exciting. I know the children are excited. Uh, the first candle will be will be lit on uh, Thursday, uh, December the 7th. That's just two days away. And uh, so, and we will light uh, eight candles through the 14th. And uh, that that is Hanukkah. We also have new moon coming up on that Wednesday, the 13th. That is a new moon. So we have that coming up. We have January quarterly. I'm telling you, January quarterly is about a month away. That's not very far. It's January 12th, 13th, and the 14th. You need to mark your calendars. You need to be making plans and uh, get your registration in. That would be a good thing to do, too. So, anyway, um <coughs> Excuse me. Our itinerary page uh, has more information. That's at www.jewishprofit.com. Check that out. We have a YouTube channel, Jewish Prophet. On that YouTube, on that channel, we have our Friday evening Shabbat service with Prophet Mark Reinbold, and we have a Wednesday evening service that I do. Well, as I said, today is Teachers Tuesday. And last week, we started 
a series called Temptation. And uh, this is based off of Prophet's material, The Purpose of Temptation. And it's something that is definitely a, a priority that we need to learn. You know what I mean? Excuse me. It is a base that we need to learn. We need to understand. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. There is nothing that you are going through today that's not common to other people. Oh, when we're in the midst of it, we think, oh, my word, how horrible. I'm the only one going through this. No, no. There's other people who have been through it or about to go through it or in the middle of it presently. You're not the only one. There is no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. For the Israelites, their wilderness was a geographical area. From the Red Sea to the Canaan land, that promised biblical land, they had to go through that wilderness. Our wilderness is not necessarily geographical, but it's very real. It's physical, and it's the spiritual wilderness. It consists of problems, difficulties, and confusion. How many of you have ever been confused? Mhm. You just don't know exactly what you should do. You are in the wilderness. Yes, you are. And you are going to have to break through that wilderness. You're going to have to come through. Temptations relates to the promise through the condition. We examined this last week. It is in the wilderness that we come to the point of questioning the validity of the condition at times, maybe even the promise itself. It's whenever we start going, is this really worth it? Do I, do I really want to, do I really want that promise that bad? God permits the wilderness experience to bring about this confrontation, permit. God permits the wilderness experience. (coughs) Wow. He permits it. He permits it. That's, That's a wild thought, isn't it? To bring about this confrontation, to bring about the questions that arise when you're in the midst of the wilderness. Why? God wants to know what's in your heart. What do you really believe? 
That's what he wants to know. You have to see the fidelity of his conditions and fulfill them before you can move on. Now, let me say that again. You have to see the value, the fidelity of his conditions before you can move on. So when you're standing there going, why am I going through this? Why does this always happen to me? You are not seeing the purpose of the condition. You are just whining. And God doesn't like pity parties. He doesn't participate. Some people are waiting on promises that will never be fulfilled because they are too busy whining about the wilderness. They're too busy whining about the wilderness. You see, God in his wisdom understands that he can't just give us everything. Look in Proverbs twenty twenty one. An inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. God knew. God knew that the Israelites we're going to have to fight for the promised land. He knew there were giants there when he promised it to them. And he knew that they were going to have to learn to fight. And he knew they were slaves. They had slave mentality. All they could think about was Yay, we're we're free now. We don't have to do what it is that our taskmasters tell us to do. Moses warned the people about four things that would happen if they had received riches and eaten them when we're full. You see, there's a danger of being fat, happy, and sassy. You know what I mean? And God understands that. He said, you could easily forget God. How many of us have done that? You've prayed and you prayed. Maybe it was about your finances. Maybe it was about your health. Maybe it was about a child. And you prayed and prayed and you finally got that answer. And you were so happy. You may not even bother telling God thank you. Where are you at now? Are you seeking God like you were seeking him then? Have you have you continually acknowledged that God is the one who answered that prayer for you? Or have you gone on and now you've got now you've got a new situation that you're whining about? They could easily forget God. And we can too. They could attribute their good life to the source other than God. Look at this. I got this really good job and now I can take family on vacation. They could provoke God by trying his patience. And they could test and tempt God. How do we provoke God? 
the Israelites did by asking for more than God wanted them to have at that moment. Do you ever ask God for more than he wants you to have? Oh, God, I want a million dollars. You can't take care of the hundred dollars that you get. Go and splurge it and waste it and don't tithe on it. They wanted a sign greater than he was pleased to give. Young Christians often do this. They can convince, get convinced God will do anything they ask. Healing, miracles. I remember when I first found out about healing, I'm telling you, I was praying for God to heal everything. Anything and everything. And that worked for a season. And then it stopped working. It stopped working. I'd pray for for my children. I'd pray for me. I'd pray for friends. They wouldn't get healed. I'm like, what's going on? What's happening? And then, then the wilderness came. The wilderness came. I was all convinced that God could heal anything, and he can. But I got sick. I got sick. And I had to change my diet. I was in danger of being having to put on medication. And I can remember I got, I was, I was studying. I was doing just what we teach. I'm telling you, I had that concordance out. I was finding every scripture on healing. And my notebook was full of, of healing scriptures. And I was reading and I was praying and I was studying. But things didn't change. God, your prophet used to say sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. But it'll get better. The things you're going through right now, a year from now, you probably won't even be thinking about it. I remember I finally got down and I was like, God, I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what my body has to say about it. God, your word, your word is true. And I'm going to believe your word. I'm not going to believe the lies that my body is trying to tell me. I'm not going to believe the lies that the doctor is trying to tell me. I'm going to stand on your word. Now, did that mean that I didn't stay on the diet? No, I stayed on the diet. I still went to the doctor, still got tests. The doctor still kept saying, you know, it wasn't any better. But I made up my mind that God's word is true. And that's where you've got to be. (coughs) Excuse me. You have to become spiritually mature to be able to handle promises. You have to become spiritually mature because someone, someone who has riches, is prosperous, 
If you're not spiritually mature, you can get greedy. You can get selfish. You can get to the point that you're not even serving God anymore. But you'll make that finances, that money, your God. The Israelites wandered in endless circles in their wilderness. And some of us do the same thing. We just go around the same problem over and over and over and over and over again. Prophet used to say we name the rocks. To take pride in suffering and poverty is just as dangerous as taking pride in accumulating riches and high possessions or a high position. You ever know somebody who takes pride in their poverty and their suffering? I have. It's sad. There they are, stuck in it. Stuck in their poverty. Stuck in it. Stuck in their suffering. I have a relative that you sit down to talk to her. She has this whole laundry list of physical issues. And I remember one time I hadn't seen her in years. Years I hadn't seen her. And we sat down next to each other at an event and she started telling me how she she had this and she took medication for that and this was going on and that was going on. And I mean, the girl talked. For 30 minutes about all of her ailments that she had going on. And I'm sitting there going, she's a Christian. She's filled with the Holy Ghost. I knew that in her younger years, even after she got married, she attended the church that believed in healing. She's been taught. I knew that. But she was taking pride in her suffering. And it was just one thing after another, after another, after another, after another. And I finally got tired of listening to it. And I looked at her and I said, you're a complete mess. And she kind of batted her eyes and looked at me and went, well, I, I, she goes, I, 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 I guess I am. She goes, well, well, what do you got going on in your life? I said, I don't have any physical things going on in my life. She's like, you don't? I'm almost 10 years older than her. She goes, you don't have any, any of these issues going on in your life? I said, nope. She goes, well, do you take any medication? Nope. I said, I am healthy. I am healthy. But she had gotten so wrapped up in her problems, she was taking pride in her problems. And guess what? She probably was praying for healing. You ain't going to receive it that way. It won't come if you 
All you got to do is talk about all your ailments all day long. Just as bad. Pride is bad. Whether you're being prideful of the of the wilderness experience or you're being prideful of of the possessions that you got. God doesn't like pride. God wants to bring us to the place where we can be willing and obedient. Whether we have a full or an empty stomach. Turn with me to Philippians 4. Chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The wilderness is necessary experience in our Christian life. We were never meant to be permanent residents here. You're not a permanent resident here. You're here for a short time. You're here with a job to do. And the wilderness experience is not meant for us to stay there. I don't know about you, but I'd like to get into the promised land and stay out of the wilderness. You know what I mean? We go through because we have to learn dependency upon God. Let's take your finances. How many of you are worried about your finances? How many of you are concerned? The price of heat in your home, the price of, of electricity, the price of food, all, the price of living is going up. Exponentially it's going up. I had a friend tell me the other day, she goes, I go to the grocery store and I just cry when I get to the checkout because it's so expensive for food. I remember sitting in the service years ago, 25, 30 years ago. Prophet was prophesying that the price of gas that inflation would get so bad that price of gas would go to $8 a gallon here in the United States. At the time, it wasn't even above a dollar a gallon when he prophesied it. And I can remember, you could feel the fear in the room. And I remember the fear I felt. I was like, oh my Lord, I won't be able to afford to drive to church. We were, we were on a budget, and we, we had to budget out the gas money so we could drive to church. As we, we drove for an hour and an hour back every week. We were on a tight budget at the time. We didn't even have money to, to go out and eat after service. And I can remember feeling the fear as he prophesied this. And then, what I loved about Prophet, he would prophesy what he, the visions and what God had given him. But he never left us in fear. 
You hear what I'm saying? He never left us in fear. He always left us in faith. Always. Yes, things are going to get bad out here in this world. And right now, yes, it is bad. Inflation is horrible. And many of you, your your income has not risen with the rate of inflation. And you are having to cut back. Maybe Maybe you've cut back to where you don't eat out at all. Maybe you cut back to where you don't go places as much as you used to. Maybe you don't go do things like you used to do. And that's okay. I think that's healthy sometimes to have to cut back. Well, we really, really pare down what's really important to us. But I can remember sitting there and prophets saying, it won't matter to me what the price of gas is. And he got our attention. What? He said, it won't matter to me what the price of gas is because he said, I serve a mighty God who supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. And he says, if you are living a life unto the Lord, if you're obeying his commandments, if you are keeping his laws and statutes and you are not in sin, and if you will stand in faith, God will take care of you and it won't matter to you what the price of gas is either. And I could feel the faith rise up inside of me. And I could feel the faith rise up in the room. And it was going to be okay because, you see, God takes care of his own. But we have to go through the wilderness so that we will get to the point where we will understand that God is our supplier. The God we need to depend on. He can depend on you. I remember, is dependable. I remember when, when I was going through my divorce and I had I'd been counseled that before I started was to figure out how I was going to make ends meet. I had, I had uh, three children. The youngest was two. How was, how was I going to take care of my family, my children? You see, I wasn't, I wasn't the main breadwinner in the family, so to get a divorce, I was going to lose my husband's income. And so I had to sit down and I had to write out a budget. And I, like I said, I had to pare it down. I had to take it down. I had to figure out where every penny was going to go. And then I had to figure out what I was going to do to make enough money to meet that budget. And so I did that. I did that. I started cleaning houses, and I began to do that. 
I'll never forget. After I'd been divorced for a while, I was asked, how are you doing financially? How are you doing financially? I said, actually, I'm doing better than I have for the last 10 years. I said, God is meeting my needs. And I am blessed. And I wasn't speaking faith. I was speaking what was really happening at that point. I don't know how God did it, but he did. You see, God can bless you financially by having you healthy and you don't have to buy that medication. God can bless you with a vehicle that gets good mileage. That's not having to be in the shop and have a $1,000 repair before you can go down the road. You see, God can bless you other ways than just hand it out a paycheck to you. And I was experiencing that. I was experiencing that. You have to learn your dependency is upon God. Your dependency is upon God. And that's what the wilderness experience is about. Is you learning that God will take care of your needs. When you learn this, and then you forget as God, as soon as things start running smoothly, we don't need the reminders of the wilderness any longer. And we enter into the promise. God wants people to come to him because of seeing your life and my life. Is your life right now Is your life right now an example that people would look at you and say, what is it that you're doing? I I would like to, I would like to have a life like that. Or is people looking at you like I did that lady and going, you're a mess. You are a mess, and I, I don't want anything to do with whatever it is that you believe in, because I don't want my life to be a mess like that. Think about it. Think about it. Are you an example for the Father, or are you just a mess? Turn to Jeremiah. Verse 8 and 9. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. 
And I will pardon all their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and honor before all the nations of the earth. Have you been forgiven? Have you asked God to forgive you of your sins? You are to be a name of joy and praise and honor before the nations. Can you say that about your life? Whereby, excuse me, which shall hear all the good that I have do, do unto them, and they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I produce into it. That's what God wants to bless you for. Not so you can be selfish, but you can be a witness. Bring other people into him and his glory. Matthew five fourteen and 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. What about you? Are you a light unto all that are in the house? You see, when I was sitting there that day talking to that relative, was she a light to everybody in the, in, in, at, that, at that particular event? No, she wasn't. No, she wasn't. No, she was taking pride in, in, her, in her laundry list of physical ailments. No, she wasn't a, a witness. She wasn't a light. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Your life should be a light. Your life should be a light. The people come to you and say, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Well, Sister Donna, I'm not. Well, you start speaking it by faith, you'll eventually be fantastic. Let me tell you. You've got to start getting lined up with his word. You've got to... Start understanding the reason you're in that wilderness is because God wants you to depend on him. You've got to learn to trust him. The law of provision. God gives you a promise. It's linked to a principle or a condition followed by a problem. The temptation in the wilderness leading to the provision. Most of us bog down in the problem area and don't understand that it's part of God's pattern. The problem or temptation comes as part of a means of obtaining the provision. Turn to James chapter 1 verse 12. James was a very wise man. Blessed is the man that endures temptation 
Excuse me. So you're in the middle of your wilderness right now. You have a laundry list of ailments. Your finances stink. You have all kinds of needs, wants, and, and desires that are not fulfilled right now. You are in the middle of temptation. And somebody looks at you and says, how are you doing? What is your response? How do you respond to that? Are you going to start telling them, well, I can't, I can't pay the electric bill. They're going to shut the lights off here in a, in, in a couple of days if I don't come up with $500 to pay the electric bill. I got this, I got that, I got this, I got that. No, that is not depending on God. That is not seeing God as your provider. You know what that is? That is having pride in your poverty and having pride in your temptation. But right here, James tells you what you should be saying. He said, blessed is the man that endures temptation. So you know what you should do? When somebody asks you, you should say, I am blessed. Do you feel the faith rise inside of you when you say that? I'm blessed. I am blessed. You don't have to tell them how you're blessed. They're going to look at you because that's such an unusual response that they're just going to go, oh, well, good, praise, awesome, praise God. But you see, you are blessed because you are enduring the temptation right now. And you are learning dependency upon God. You see, God can get that paperwork lost, and they might fail to turn your lights off in three days. God can cause someone who owes you some money to show up, and you can pay the bill. I'm blessed. Because your dependency is on God. Hallelujah. James said, blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he's tried, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. The promise for the Israelites was the inheritance. The principle was the commandment. The problem was the wilderness, and the provision was the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. See, even in the wilderness, God's still ordering your steps. 
God's still leading you. He's just allowing you to go through some situations. And look at here what it's about. It said, to humble thee, get that pride gone. To prove thee, find out what you really believe. Where's your loyalty really at? To know what is in your heart. You just doing this because God's, hey, if I serve God, hey, everything will be hunky-dory. God's like, um, I want to know you really love me. And whether thou will keep his commandments or no. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of people that don't understand. There, there are certain blessings that are automatic. One of them is tithing. I cannot tell you how many times through the years of ministry, I've had people tell me, well, I can't afford to tithe. And I'm like, you can't afford not to tithe. You see, tithing is an automatic blessing. And when you don't tithe, you're cursed. Yeah, did you hear that? The opposite of a blessing is what? A curse. God said the tithe belongs to me. He expects no less. He expects that 10%. You can't afford not to give it to him. How many of you understand that when you don't pay your tithe, just like when you don't pay off your electric bill or credit card bill, there's a late fee. Well, God charges a late fee, too. Now, instead of 10%, you owe 30%. Say, ouch. You can't afford not to pay your tithe. But you see, if you will pay your tithe, if you if you will take that as soon as you get that check and take that 10% off, God will make the rest of it work if you're living for him. If you're keeping his commandments, God said, I'll put you through the wilderness to prove you. To prove you. Verse 12 through 18, same chapter, Deuteronomy 8. Lest when thou hast eaten in full, thou hast built goodly houses and dwelled therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and gold is multiplied, and all thou hast is multiplied, then thy heart be lifted up. And you forget the Lord thy God. Isn't that exactly what Moses told them that they could do? They could easily forget God. Which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness. Wherein were fiery darts or fiery serpents and scorpions and drought. Where there was no water. Who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint. Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. What you are going through right now is to do you good in your latter end. 
Oh, I know right now it doesn't look like it. But it didn't look like that to the Israelites either. But to do you good in your latter end. You see, if they couldn't endure the wilderness, if they couldn't learn to depend on God for protection from serpents and scorpions, for water, they couldn't depend on God to conquer the giants. And thou say in thy heart, my power. Another thing Moses had told him, wasn't it? And the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. Well, I did good at the job and I got a promotion and I, 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 as Prophet Mark says, get rid of the itis. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives thee power to get wealth. Those of you going through financial things right now, you need to look at that. It's God that gives you the power to get wealth. It's God. It's, you know, it's him that gives you that power to get wealth. But he's not going to give it to you unless what? You are dependent on him. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. The purpose of the wilderness is always to make us recognize that our insufficiency and God's all-sufficiency is all-sufficient. He gives you your health. He gives you your wealth. He gives you your knowledge. Gives it to you. You have to learn. You are the one who has to learn to trust him. Remember David? David was this little boy. This little boy. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 17. I don't know if I got time to do all this today or not, but I'm going to try. Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, verse 20. Brothers were fighting in the king's army. And there was the Eraseli army. And his father had told him to go check, to go take some some vittles to them, and go bring back a report. David rose up early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took and went as Jesse, his father, had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put to battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of a keeper of the carriage and ran to the army and came and saluted his brother. Brother. And as he talked to him, then, behold, came up the champion, the Philistine, 
Goliath of Goth. Goliath by name, out of the army of the Philistines and spake according to the same words and David heard them. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel has he come up, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich him with great riches and give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. These warriors, these warriors were afraid. They were afraid. They were afraid. And it was so bad that the king was even offering a reward to anybody who would fight. This has been going on, if I believe right, if I remember right, I believe this has been going on for 30 days. The Israeli army was trapped in fear against one giant. What about you? Are you trapped in fear against one giant? Oh no, sister daughter, I got several. I want you to listen to David. Verse 26. He said, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David speaking faith. David is speaking faith. Now let me tell you something. Look in verse 28. And Elib, his oldest brother, heard when he spake to the men, and Elib's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the naughtiness of your heart. For thou art come down that thou mayest see the battle. And David said, what have I done? Is there not a cause? Let me tell you something. You start speaking faith, your relatives are going to come against you. Your relatives are going to start trying to talk you out of it. Every time. None of the other soldiers were saying that to David, but it was his family, his brother, his brother. David came because his father told him to come. David wasn't afraid. David had not allowed fear. You see, faith comes by hearing. Those men had heard for 30 days over and over and over again. And they had shook in fear and had ran back away from the problem, from the giant. And here came David. Here came David. 
When you start speaking faith, there will be opposition. There will be people who will accuse you, just as David was accused. Verse 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail him because of that giant. Thy servant will go out and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able. Now he's been told he's not able by the government. You can't do it. The authority, the king said, no, you can't do that. You're a youth. And he's a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear. And I took and took the lamb out of the flock, and I went after him and smote him, and I delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the army. Of the living God. And David said, Moreover, the Lord has delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Do you hear the faith of David? The prophet said, It won't matter to me. If gas gets to be $8 a gallon, do you hear the faith? I don't care what my body says. Your word says I'm healed. Whether I live or die, I belong to God. Do you hear the faith? Do you hear the faith? The purpose of the wilderness is to learn the dependency upon the Father. Let's pray. There's many of you that God has convicted you. You become prideful in your poverty. You become prideful in your issues of health. You become prideful in your neediness. Repent! Pride comes before fall, the Bible says. Your dependency upon God. Your dependency is upon the Father. And He wants you to understand that. He wants you to keep His commandments no matter what. He wants you to look at the giant in your life. And no matter what the family says, 
no matter what, someone over authority like the doctor says, you, you can say, my God will take care of me. You got to fight the lion and the bear. Excuse me. And you got to fight the giant. But your dependency is upon God. And you're going to have to run toward that giant in faith. Father, I pray right now for those who are listening. Father, show them, show them where it is that they have, have listened over and over again like the armies of Israel. And they're crouching down at the giant and going, do you see this problem? It's so big. It's not bigger than you, Father. Father, I pray for them that their faith will arise. Their faith will arise, Father. Yeshekahashi. Those of you that need healing, put your hand wherever it is that you need healed. In the name of Yeshua, I command the healing. Yekai! Yekai! From the top of their head to the tip of their toes, Father. In Yeshua's precious name, amen. And I send forth the angels to cause it to happen. I want to thank each of you for listening. And I want to encourage you that with God, all things are possible. Shalom. Shalom.